What's up, everybody? This is Eddie with Flex Machine Tools. Hey, and welcome to our live episode of Flex and Friends, a video cast experience here is where I get to sit down, chat, and hang out with the industry's loudest, proudest, best, brightest, most and profound thought leaders. You guessed it, manufacturer. I have another and role model in the industry that we call me in our good friend, Arthur. From so hey, without further ado, he's on waiting backstage. Let's bring him on in. Arthur, what's going on, man? Hey, Eddie, I love that intro. Very, uh, very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> no, you deserve it, man. I know you're an absolute. Love. You put out some really, really cool content, and you've got a lot to say. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. But first and foremost, my man, how are you doing today? Oh, today is pretty, pretty crazy uh, with the day-to-day -day, trying to make time in my schedule for this. So I've got to get a whole lot of extra work done in the morning. But you know what? Success. It was all done. Everything that needed to be done. And I'm able to be free of mind here with you. How are you? There we go. No, it is well. And it's another incredible day to talk about. You already know. Actually, but before we kind of get rolling, because you yeah. obviously have, have a lot going on there. Like, a passion for the uh, Let's learn about you. Who is Arthur? and professionally we have to. <laughs> uh, personally um, yeah personally I put a lot of time into manufacturing um, <laughs> and that's it uh, I you know I'm 38 I've, I've, uh, I live here on the west coast of uh, Canada and work a lot with uh, manufacturing, but on the personal side, uh, newly single, um, just moved into a new place. It's the first time I've done any video work in the new place. So that's kind of on the personal side of life there. Um, and then professionally, uh, right now I'm working full-time as a territory manager, stepping more and more into creating content to share with the world of manufacturing instead of just the, the local hundred companies I get to work with personally. We're going to dive back. You do put out there a decent amount, but with the relevant for the industry specifically. So outside faction, what else are you passionate about, man? Uh, so training like body and mind, I put a lot of my personal time into uh, personal and, prof and professional, like they kind of always tie. I find the more I improve my personal life, the more my professional life is also improved, right? It's just overall life. Um, so a lot of uh, like training development courses, leadership development, all of that kind of stuff to really, it's really about getting present to everything that goes on in the day-to-day -day without kind of running on autopilot in that reaction mode. So any training that can help further that mindset i just find it really lifts up my personal life i'm super passionate about that um as well as getting out to adventure in the mountains i know i've shared some to my linkedin um more on my personal pages for when i get up into the mountains here in bc hiking through you know getting up to 1500 meters up to 2000 meters above sea elevation um so that's oh i can't math right now so that's like 9000 10000 feet above sea level i guess mm -hmm. Man, more to you than manufacturing, so much more, and it's cool to be able to make these little specifically. So, hey, Canadian, N-A-D-A. Yeah. Hey, I like it. 
Yeah, born and raised actually uh, in the heart of manufacturing in Ontario, which is kind of the center of manufacturing for Ontario uh, for Canada. Uh, and then I uh, spent my first what twenty years there, and well, twenty one years there. And I've been in BC since then. I drove across, you know, following my heart, and uh, definitely would not move back. I love the West Coast. You know that that's incredible. And so, really, what's great about operating in Canada specifically uh, your experience well it personally here in the west coast where I've stepped more into the manufacturing role in the last 18 years um, it's the diversity that we have available here in Canada I mean if you go to somewhere like Ontario you're either aerospace or you're automotive and that's pretty much the main market there Whereas where I am in BC, I could work with biotech one day. I could work with aviation the next. I could go work with a boutique designer that's designing like really high-end, high-polished car parts like bolt-on components, you know, uh, lenses, grinding, um, like contact lenses. So we're looking at inspection equipment on there. It's just such a variety in manufacturing. Um, I mean, we've got logging and mining and oil and all of that as well. So it just means it's it's been really nice through all the uh, ups and downs in the world of manufacturing that there's always an industry that's booming. So I just work with companies that are in that industry, and then I switch my focus depending on which industry is uh, growing the fastest. No, solid, solid for sure. And then when it comes, how did you get into it? I see you're a machinist to a business development guy. Tie that in for me, man. Yeah. Okay. So it started, uh, I started falling in love with manufacturing before I even knew it. Uh, it was back when I started uh, repairing arcade machines in my first job. Um, I was just, my goal there was to find a way to fix the machines because they were always getting marked out of order. And so I created a step-by-step -step procedure and that was like my first introduction to standard operating procedures no idea what they were called at the time. I was just like, look, I need to fix the arcade machines. These are the steps that are going to fix it. Done. Um, and then that led to me, I started out, I did a couple years assembling three hole punches and speaker stands, which led to into uh, my first CNC shop in Ontario, making uh, turbine parts for Allison Transmission. And uh, yeah, it, it was a great first day because, man, I walk in and the QC guy's there and he's interviewing me like, here, read a mic, here, read a height gauge. And I corrected him on reading the mic. Um, and it turned out that I was right. So I was like sweating bullets the whole time. I'm like, uh, actually, I'm reading uh, like 961 and he was reading 971 or something like 10 thou bigger. And I was like, actually, that's what I'm getting. And he checks it again. He's like, oh, sure enough. You're right. Okay, you get the job. <laughs> nice. And that just, yeah, so originally I was going to do my apprenticeship in Ontario. Um, my wife and son at the time moved to the West Coast, so I followed them, and I ended up uh, doing my apprenticeship very unconventionally. I spent eight years in the trade, and then I challenged with like 14,000 hours or something to get my uh, Red Seal journeyman ticket. And so I got that. I did 12 years total on the shop floor before, before uh, you know, mining took a big oil, took a big dive back in 2015. And it created an opportunity to start working on the support side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And that was six years Man. ago. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you clearly have you, you boots on the ground hand at the spindle for, for a decent amount of time. Like, no, that that's, and I think that's another thing that brings so much relevance and probably is a deep root of your passion because you've been on the other side of that curtain per se. So then yeah. kind of what brought you into the Thomas Skinner and son world? Like what's that segue? Well, the segue there was, um, I had run shops by the time that oil took a dive in 2015, I'd had a team of like 10, 20 guys working under me. Um, and I had also been just on the shop floor. And it was really just, I butt heads. Well, I, some of my training is around butting heads with people, you know, not being confrontational. But I was butting a lot of heads with individual shop owners. So I would work there for years and I would get tired of like my experience of just butting heads with them. And I'd go look for another shop and kind of push the envelope until I hit their comfort threshold, hit their fear limits. And then I'd move to another shop. Um, so I got into Thomas Skinner because I was like, look, like I want to be able to work with multiple companies. At the time, I was looking to be an applications engineer. Very, very more technical. I never thought I'd go into sales. Um, but their department was full and they were like, look, we can start you as a territory manager. You can still kind of do just not as in much detail as we would do in an application spot and try it on, see how it works. And if it doesn't work out, we'll look to transfer you over. Here I am six years later, and I am growing within the company, but it's within that territory management side. Um, more of the, it really comes back to that roadblock I found working in shops, which was that fear barrier. Hey, there's a new tech. Oh, that's awesome. But whatever reason, excuse, whatever would come up for them. And so it's helping them see that, yes, that fear is there, but this is what we can do to safeguard you so that the worst case won't happen. And if it does, we have a plan to still safeguard you and safeguard your money, your time, your investment. That's got to be really helpful and, and further points to the fact of you just bring so much relevance because you can speak to these operators with a little more empathy than what, what they would probably normally get on a situation where someone who doesn't have the experience that you do. So th this is awesome. And you probably talk to a lot of different shops and you really have your hand on the pulse, if you will, with some major trends. So I'm kind of curious with, yeah. you know, with your specific territory, and maybe this may not speak for all of Canada, but what's the manufacturing landscape look like? What are some big trends that are happening right now? Well, there's an interesting trend right now where we have a lot of startup shops in the last year. Despite all the climate with uh, everything that's going on globally, we've had a lot of startups. So these guys, whether it's job shop or OEM, they're starting up and they're coming to us and, you know, we're working with zero point fixturing, hydraulic holders, you know, probes in the machines um, and all of those kind of things, helping them look at their programming strategies and it's because they're a startup and they don't have any machines, we're able to really like lay the groundwork. Okay. These are the reasons to invest. And they're super receptive because, Hey, they want to start right. Um, the concerning trend for me um, that I'm trying to reach more of these longstanding manufacturers about is the ones that have had the same, you know, methodology for the last 10 to 20 years. And they've got to overcome that fear, you know, that sunken cost fallacy that it's so easy to fall into you know, you've already invested a ten, twenty, a hundred grand into your existing fixturing, a million dollars, whatever it is. But if you don't find a way to work past that fear, um, these new shops are just gobbling up all the work. They can quote so much cheaper. Their turnaround is so much faster. 
And it's thanks in part, I believe, to the programming strategies, the zero point work holding so they can change over their jobs, you know, in 60 to 120 seconds instead of 60 to 120 minutes. And that'd be quite the advantage. And so it's interesting that that opportunity or that trend, if you will, exists. So like, where, where's the big opportunity there? Is, is, it, is it any different than what we're seeing you know, in the U.S.? I know you're relatively close, if you will, but I don't yeah. know if there's any specific differences that were worth noting. I I don't know that it's specifically a different trend, no, because I the to um, all the people that I talk across the U.S. I mean, even reaching overseas to Switzerland and other places across the globe that have reached out to me since I started putting out more content in February, this trend just really seems to be um, around the fear of adoption of new technology. And so, a lot of the time uh, on the content I I focus that I produce, it's like, look. I know this looks like new tech, but this came out 10 years ago. So if it's not on your shop floor by now, that's concerning because that means you're already 10 years behind your competition that's entered the market in the last, you know, five years. That's intriguing. And speaking of such, we've got got a good friend here. Better call Bill, manufacturing <laughs> engineering specialist. Look, S-M-E-D. Yeah, look at that. Hey, yeah. better call Bill. Appreciate it, man. We got anything to specific to say on that, Arthur, or does it speak for itself? Well, SMED, for those not familiar, right? Single minute exchange of dyes. When I started on the shop floor 20 years ago, that was like a pipe dream. Like, oh, yeah, sure, maybe in die cast, but you're never going to hit that on a CNC machine. Um, and then ball lock kind of came into the picture. And that's a, it's a decent median, but it's not single minute. And then you have the pneumatic solutions um, like the Shunk Vero, or the um, fifth axis now has a pneumatic solution for their quick change zero point as well. And I'm sure there's others. Those are the two that I'm most familiar with. But uh, now with the pneumatic solutions and the automation, it really has become a reality. I have sat there and recorded customers with a new system. And we're in the 40 to 50 second range. It just blows my mind. Because as a machinist, having run the machines, it's like, oh, man, I wish that was there when I was on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like Bill here says, Alberta is about 30 years behind, and thanks for the greeting. Thank you, Bill, yeah. for the comment. And also, uh, yeah. I'm sure Alberta is not thankful you're telling them they're 30 years behind, but that's okay. That's <laughs> You call it as you see it. Better call Bill for all the information. We'll give you a little plug there. Appreciate your, your engagement. Yeah. So as we move forward, we're talking about brands here. Obviously, yeah. you've established yourself. You've got that personal brand on the side that, that really is great. It's, it's well within manufacturing. Why did you even want to get started with something like that? It uh, It's going to, I'm going to sound a little bit of like a record maybe, but it all comes back to that fear and trust. And I just want to put out as much as I can to support people so they can go, they can try it, they can look into it for themselves, but then they're also going to remember where they heard about it in case they want to come to find out what else is there. And of course, for those that I work with locally, it gives them access to see that, Hey, this is a local guy that's actually not blowing smoke. And I'm going to go speak to him because what I've, tried from him is actually working on the shop floor. So I'm going to trust him more. Um, that's, that's really where it all comes down to. I want to be able to support more manufacturers because it breaks my heart when they shut their doors. And that's the reality that's there for those that can't get past their fear. That makes sense. And you, you seem, at least from what we've talked about before and specifically today, you're out here pushing envelopes, pushing envelopes and calling it as you see it. 
I love it. No, it's great. So now we know a little bit of why you started. And so who really inspired you or what inspires you to continue to be a content creator? There's got to be someone, something, or many things that really put the gas in the tank for you. What are those things? Well, the the creators I get to talk to, like yourself, Eddie, who are out there putting themselves out there, that's one of the things that continues to fuel me, to continue to put myself out there. Because I get how... Um, the challenges personally that can be there to continue to put yourself out there and at risk um, in front of a global audience where they could say anything. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I get that side and it really, it, that, that fuels me. Um, but it's also, you know, like Titan Gilroy was one of the first ones that really got big for me. And I was like, man, like we need more people like him. Maybe not exactly like him, but more people putting out contact, talking about manufacturing, not just for everyone in manufacturing that we support, but to advertise it to youth, to other people, so they know how much fun manufacturing can be and how rewarding of a career it could possibly be. Right. I know this is true. A lot of our previous guests on Flex and Friends have really uh, said the same thing in their very many different, but also equally passionate ways. So this is, this is totally true. And so what are some of the cooler opportunities you've had or, or experiences that, that you've had leveraging your brand a little bit more, like any favorite collaborative projects that you you've had? Uh, Cause I mean, it's clearly something that you've created that does mean something there is value there. So what, what are you pulling from man? Well, it's some of the creative projects. I mean, it's been previous interviews, like with Tony Gunn. I'd be remiss not to mention him. Um, I started following him when he was over at Air Turbine Spindles. And just the way he brought his charisma to advocate for manufacturing, um, that's definitely been one of those driving forces. And, I mean, there's, there's Megan and all the Mavens and all of that kind of stuff where I haven't mm -hmm. collaborated with them directly but in messaging sessions and stuff um and then there was actually one way that i leveraged it um i created a digital live machining event between thomas skinner and sandvik coromont um and it was the first time they had directly partnered with a distributor to do an event like this typically they do their own events and they do a phenomenal job and mm -hmm. so between collaboration across north america and a little bit with switzerland we made this a digital live machining event go on where we were able to showcase um, some of the common issues we see in Western Canada around threading. And um, uh, we've had a lot of Inconel and super alloys show up in the market lately. Mm -hmm. And so we really just focused on, you know, their prime turning and the threading. And that was just such a huge um, success. I don't know. I was blown away when they started like spitballing this idea with me. I'm like, wait, we can collaborate on something like this. Yeah, I am in. Um, and there's been different things where Helical and other companies have shared my videos to their channels and put them in their newsletters and because they see the value as well and their audience has responded in kind. No, absolutely. And speaking of the audience responding, we have <laughs> our dear friend, Audrey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Audrey says, yes, U.S. Mandarin or us, sorry, not U.S., us. Everyone collectively, U.S., Canada, everybody. Manufacturing folks need to stick together and learn from each other. We need to continue to share our passion outside of the industry, too. Audrey, you're amazing. Stick yeah. around. Continue to do what you do. You're an absolute light, and I appreciate you jumping in today. That, that That's incredible. What, what an amazing, wonderful, and inclusive yeah. 
comment. So, Arthur, with that, speaking of of kind of inclusive and collective, so how do you feel your experience as a machinist has collectively helped you be successful in your current role? There may be some obvious reasons, but let's hear it from you, yo. I, I think it's that collective pool of machinist grumbles um, that I collected in my 18 years at the spin, or 12 years at the spindle. Sorry, um, just a couple of years. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there was there was one I posted yesterday about replacing the ink cartridges and pens because someone kept stealing their pen. I don't know how many times my pen disappeared. Like I can't count that high. I would have it in my pocket and I'd look down and it's gone, or it was on the desk with the inspection. So it's it's understanding like those small little things I think makes a difference, but also because I've had the opportunity to be an operator, to be a programmer, to work with the mechanical engineers, to design fixturing and plan production runs. So I've kind of had a taste of a lot of different points. And so I'm able to empathize because I really get how hard each of those positions are. I think a lot of people, if they only work in one of those positions or say they only enter the sales support side, um, they just, they aren't able to empathize at the same level because they haven't actually had to endure the, that daily monotony. Um, doesn't make them any less, but it's just, I think that's the benefit to me um, having to grind through or however you want to word that the day to day in so many different facets of manufacturing. No, grinding through is definitely a machinist term. Very, very fitting <laughs> indeed, my friend. I think you nailed it. Um, and then additionally to that, yeah, it reminds me uh, you know, of a couple of uh, concepts. You know, they, they say that sympathy is being able to recognize and see someone's feelings, but empathy is being able to replicate, duplicate, and internalize and genuinely feel those feelings as well. And, and that, that I feel is a superpower. And so clearly that's a big thing for you. And and obviously, it's added a great amount of value and understanding. I love to use the word specifically, empathy. So when it comes to you and your comp- uh, customers, and we're speaking of empathy, what are some of the biggest challenges that they're facing right now overall? It's that competitive nature, trying to really get that part cost down, but also their turnaround time. Um because if it's a smaller shop where they're quoting on a lot of different things, being able to just have an answer quicker Um is really there. So one of the things specifically for that, that I've been talking, sharing more about is around having common tooling. If you have a common set of tools in your machine that you can do 90% of that part with, you're going to have a way faster answer. You're going to have an idea because you use a certain set of tools all the time. So you're going to get that quick response out versus, Oh, okay, well I got to go figure out the best tool. Then I got to figure out how long that tool is going to take. And then I can get you a response and their customers already, their competitions already quoted it. Right, right. Which I got, there are obviously lots of ways we've talked to a couple of individuals in leading the technology world to help facilitate some of this quoting process, some of just the general systems that we're replacing paper, if you will. And then got to give a quick shout out here real quick. Man, Rob Mayes watching Flex and Friends at West Tech 2021, the shameless plug booth 1847. <laughs> Robbie, my guy. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks so much for joining. Hopefully you're having fun over there at West Tech, meeting lots of people, doing lots of cool things. So as we jump back in and <laughs> to your perspective here, Arthur, what are some of the coolest things you're thinking like are happening in manufacturing right now? There's got to be stuff you see that others just don't get to. What's some of the coolest? Well, some of the coolest stuff I've seen with the advances in programming software um, is I've seen guys doing five-axis parts. Well, what I would have quoted as a five-axis part, they're doing them on three-axis mills. 
like they're using the Harvey like 300 degree, whatever lollipop cutter it is. And they're getting at these geometries now because of the like the collision detection and the advanced surfacing that's available. So they're doing um, like these crazy cross bores where normally you'd have to set it up and you'd have to do all these different holes at special angles. And they're doing them all from a three axis setup with a little lollipop ball. Like that just is something I've only seen at a few shops, but it just blows my mind because yeah. I never would have even attempted it. I would have told the customer, yeah, you need a five axis, like go away. <laughs> go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, uh, I wasn't, that's one area I don't have at time spindle, uh, spindle time at personally is five axis. The shops I worked in were always three axis or four axis. Sure. Sure. Well, it's out there blowing that perspective up and taking it to yeah. different dimensions. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and, then, and the tie into different directions and dimensions here. Yeah. Let's let's take ourselves outside of our perspective. And I know a big thing that we talk about is you know getting the next wave of, of the workforce to be interested, you know, in manufacturing. So we may have some younger individuals, younger students, high school seniors, or individuals right after high school that are watching this. Why should they even consider manufacturing? Because it can be one of the most challenging and most rewarding careers you will ever have. Um, the manufacturing, the breadth and scope that manufacturing offers. I mean, you could be in some dark, doomy dungeon like they show on movie sets, although they're fewer and further between. But you could also be working for biotech, saving someone's possible limb or life, making aortic valves. You could be in aerospace, you know, um, all the advances on the um like the suborbital travel like with all of the different space adventures that have been going on you could be working on fast cars you could be working in a turbo shop right like really any passion you have for something in your life that you enjoy you could find a way to be involved in manufacturing of that item and it's another way to just challenge yourself i mean there's lots of roles out there but there is just something rewarding for me at least working with your hands getting your hands dirty like actually being challenged on a daily basis for problem solving and i mean hey everyone talks about alzheimer's and stuff if you keep using your brain it's never going away just just keep plugging away um it's yeah that, that's the whole i loved um I love computers. I went through high school focusing on computers because of the nature of constant problem solving and constant solutions and all of that. And that led me into manufacturing with like a perfect work set alignment. I mean, getting involved in manufacturing doesn't just mean running the CNCs. You could be programming the robots. You could be doing engineering. You could be doing sales. There could be so much that you get involved in. Mm -hmm. it's really limitless so far. And I'm only discovering more the further we grow with all these social interactions. So, Heck yeah. And then speaking of interactions, we've got a couple more saucy comments from Audrey <laughs> Thomas. Again, being an absolute lady gangsta. It is definitely an exciting time to be in the manufacturing world. I agree. Say it again yeah. for the people in the back. We are yeah. in the thick, in the thick of Industry 4.0. This will allow us to work smarter, not harder, and more efficiently. This is just wonderful. And then she follows up to tell us and keep us clean, too. Yeah. <laughs> Manufacturing doesn't need to be dirty. Get your minds out of the gutter. It doesn't have to yeah. be dirty. 
No. No, this is wonderful stuff. Uh, better Call Bill and Audrey, I appreciate both of you joining in. As we're wrapping up our conversation yeah. here today, got a, a couple more things that, that we just have to know. One of those is, hey, we're going to hear it live and anybody watching or you know, before, after, during. What is Arthur's big claim for global manufacturing over the next, let's say, 15 to 20 plus years? Make your claim, homie. In the next, I think, even 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a massive adoption of robotic automation as well as augmented reality overlays. Like, you're, everyone's going to have smart glasses, goggles, whatever they end up looking like because they're still redesigning them. But I think a combination of both of those is going to allow you to spread one skilled person's labor across 20 machines much, much easier. And... That's where I think it's going to go out of necessity, if for no other reason, just because of the lack of skilled labor and people interested coming into the field. I hope that changes, but I still think that robotics automation is going to be that driving force mm -hmm. with the augmented reality, specifically that combination. I've been reflecting on this question, and that's, that's what I see. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you came prepared to answer because that is a heck of a claim, one that's not unrealistic or irrational by any means. And so the last thing that I want to cover today, Arthur, you're, you're out there, you're being a content creator representing yourself, your own brand, as well as Thomas Skinner. Where can we, the viewers, get more information on you and all the amazing that you're doing? Well, the first one would be to follow along on LinkedIn. Um, I always publish everything there, as does Thomas Skinner for all the stuff on the Thomas Skinner side, as well as my personal side. Um, that's a great place. If you're not following there yet, hop on over. But also the website here that Eddie has pulled up has a link to the Thomas Skinner LinkedIn site, the Instagram and the Facebook, in case those are platforms that you tend to migrate towards. And it also has a list of all of the pillar products that we work with and these are the uh, real MVPs when it comes to helping get that specialized support for those unique applications for our customers at their spindles. Yeah, nice. Very simplistic, but also very attractive. I dig it. You got a fan here. So uh, <laughs> any other places that we need to be able to look for your specific content, man? Uh, I will post uh, a link to, I do post longer videos to YouTube now. I break it up for LinkedIn Digest. I make smaller videos okay. there. So I will post a link to that in the, uh, the comments as well because uh, I still need to get more subs over there, I guess, to get my own special URL. So I'm still working it. <laughs> No worries. We're continuously working it. And then also, again, additionally working it, Audrey jumps back in. Yes, as the president of my company says, everything except the ground outside is manufactured. The possibilities are endless. This is so true. Yeah. Thank you so much. And then last, Better Call Bill says, guys, great interview and content. I'll be kind. Thanks for the passion <laughs> and promotion of our great industry. Our industry is great. And you, it my is. friend, are very much a part of that. So, hey, our super thankful for you have any final comments for anybody who's either watching this live or since this will live on the flex machine tools youtube page again any final comments you have for us sir uh, just always be curious don't ever like do everything you can to get around the fear that's getting in the way of that curiosity because there is nothing but joy on the other side of it i'm every time i have pushed through fear or found a way to get around my fear I have been rewarded indefinitely, like way more effort than it took to overcome the fear. Trust me. It doesn't seem like it, but it's true. There you go. They're going to leave here today informed as well 
as inspired. So Arthur, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank all of you who are checking this out live or view this after the fact for additional information. Make sure you go back and check out everything Arthur has referenced, or you can check out flexmachinetools.com. Also check us out on Instagram, LinkedIn. We have an amazing YouTube page. Dudes, we're even messing around on TikTok, trying to go viral here. So wonderful times indeed and great conversations on this episode of Flex and Friends. Hey, you all stay awesome. Stay flexing, and we'll see you next time.